When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. You're listening to the Bleacher Connection, a part of the Belly Up Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Ken and Trevor. And welcome to the show, everyone. Trevor, it's uh, it's been a while since we've sat down to uh, record a show. Been a, a few things happening over the last month and a bit. Uh, been some busy times. Yeah, well, some of you had to go out and have a baby and yeah, uh, become a first-time dad. You know that that really <laughs> kind of throws a, a monkey wrench in the recording availability. But you yeah. know, I love you be the first to say this. You know, we're, it's been a month now. But you know, congratulations. You know, I think it's now thank you, you know, thank between, you. Between my two kids, this would now be the BleacherCon five that has joined the the crew. So, you know, yeah. full congratulations to you and your wife Melissa, your entire family, you know, your brother Chris, Hope, uh, Neil, everybody on the Melissa side of the, congratulations. It's so exciting. Mm-hmm. I know us, your friends in the Calgary area are super excited. Can't wait to get up that way. And my wife's like, we need to go visit. I was like, let's wait until the little guy can sleep and then we'll go visit. (laughs) Yeah. He's uh, uh, thank you. And yeah, we're, everyone's super excited. I know uh, um, my mom's been out and possibly coming out again uh, in a little little bit. And uh, Melissa's parents and sister, uh, Neil, Linda, and sister Trish are out right now, and her brother Kevin was out a little while ago with uh, one of his one of his kids to to visit. And yeah, the little guy he's uh, he's he's finding that nice little sleeping in two and a half hour blocks. We're almost getting to three right now, which is which is okay. But uh, yeah, he he definitely likes he can sleep a little bit longer during the day. It's that nighttime we got to get a little longer. But I got to tell you, it, I was saying to you before. He he turned. He's a month yesterday, and the time has flown. It feels like it was yesterday that he he was born. That I I got to announce that we had a, a son, and uh, you know, finish cutting the cord and watch him coming. Not quite watch him come into the world because it was a C section, and some of that I just don't need to see. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> not my cup of tea. <laughs> it, it's been amazing, and, and the time has flown like. Feels like yesterday we was born, and the day before that we found out, and that was August first. So, it uh, I wish the time would slow down a little bit, um, just because it seems like it is going so fast. But I tell you, there's nothing better than just sitting on the couch holding your holding your son and just taking it all in. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. Well, as I was telling you before we came on, I said, before you know it, it's 14 years later and your daughter's driving. 
because <laughs> that's what I'm dealing with right now. Donna yeah. finally got her learner's license, and now it's uh, after we record today, I will be heading out to take her for a drive. Um, that's a, a nerve-wracking experience. Super exciting. It's you know, it, it's a, a it's kind of one of those milestones in one in your kid's life. You know, first day of school. You know, getting into you know, I guess junior, senior high, high school, whatever they call it, middle school. I don't know what they, whatever they call it these days. You know, getting their driver's license, prom. You know, it's just one of those milestones, and it's uh, this one's a little more nerve wracking than the rest of them because you know it, it involves <laughs> me putting my life in peril every time I get on in the car. But well, so far, so the- good. That explains the helmet and full padding gear you got behind you there. It, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so far, so good. But you, know, you yeah. did allude to it. It's been a long time since we got an opportunity to record, and a lot, a lot has happened. You know, has, more, more on your side. You, you know, I've gotten a hell of a lot more sleep than you have over these last five weeks. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been an adventure. Like it's, uh, you know, the wife came home obviously has recovery from C section, and then even. She had like another five day spell in the hospital with an infection, which was, you know, nerve wracking when you're at home with, with the little guy and you're only really visiting her once a day and waiting for updates. It, uh, it's not fun, but yeah, there's a lot been going on and glad she's home now and on the mend and heals up quickly. Cause yeah, I think she's, uh, she's pretty tired of being that way too. So. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Well, Ken, since we last recorded, um, a lot has happened in in the world of sports. Um, not so much for our teams in terms of games played. You know, on, on today's episode, we're going to kind of do a look back at the Flames and Canucks and kind of a look ahead. You know, we're uh, playoff hockey's you know in full swing, and neither of us are watching much of it. Uh, our teams were nowhere near. Well, mine was close, but not really. And, you know, my team's offseason is in full swing. And we'll get to that with the Calgary Flames. There's been tons of news. I'm not going to talk too much about it because, you know, it's somewhat old, but I'll give my takes on it and kind of where I, I'd like to see things go from here. And But, you know, it's uh, disappointing for both of us, I would have to say. Yeah, it. Um, you and I both had high expectations for our teams and in kind of being – first, second, or, th- and th- or third in this division. Mm-hmm. And, and our teams were uh, none of that. And it, yeah. uh, five and six. Above. <laughs> yeah, five, five <laughs> and six is where they finished up. And a lot went wrong. A lot went wrong. And the question is, of what went wrong, what can be corrected? And quickly. That's the other piece. What can be cor- corrected quickly enough to make next season not another dumpster fire? Like, uh, this this past season this season was so a lot to look at a lot to to figure out and we're gonna probably play a little um little gm uh, here in a little bit and how the future looks for our teams and well hang on i haven't been hired i haven't been hired yet by the calgary flames to be the new g Uh, did you get did you get the resume into don maloney oh yeah i I got it in yeah Yeah, i definitely got it in i don't know if they looked at it yeah (laughs) yeah it might might just be like and not qualified. Put that aside. Probably a big, big. Uh, I know there's a few uh, Twitter Flames fans who think they're very qualified for it, but uh, you know, God help your team if they had anything to do with it. So, yeah. 
But before we get into that, Ken, why don't you kick us off with some Are You Kidding Me? All right. Well, Are You Kidding Me is brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Use the code BELLYUP20 for 20% off your grooming gear, now including the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Well, Trevor, as you talk, there's playoffs going on in the NHL. It's also going on right now is there's playoffs going on in the AHL. Go Wranglers. <laughs> Boo. But unless you're on Twitter, unless you follow the teams, would you even know? Would you even know what is going on with the AHL in Canada? Um, there are six Canadian franchises. Uh, Belleville, who is the Senators' AHL affiliate. Laval, who's the Montreal Canadiens. Toronto, obviously Toronto with Marley's. Uh, the Winnipeg, or Manitoba Moose, Winnipeg's Farm Club. You said it, the Calgary Wranglers. And then you got the Abbotsford Canucks. There's six franchises across this country. The Wranglers and Abbotsford, it albeit it was a 3-1 series win for Calgary, it wasn't an easy series for them. It was, they were all close games. Two of them went to overtime. I think Abbotsford won by two goals in their victory, and Calgary won the last game 3-2. And, and that is a very tight series. Calgary had a hell of a season in the AHL. Abbotsford was right there. They had a great season in that, despite having – the majority of their defense pulled up to the big club because of injuries. The Abbotsford Canucks still managed to have a, a really good season and a really good playoffs. And you didn't see a single second of it on television. And I think if you really want to get people involved in the AHL, make it so that it's accessible, accessible without having to pay for yet another streaming service. Because that's the only way you can watch the AHL. It's kind of the only way you can watch the, the Canadian Hockey League as well. Uh, TSN has rights to the CHL, but it's pretty much for the Memorial Cup and I, I maybe the odd game. They don't show many games at all. And you've got Canadian franchises just everywhere in the CHL. I think if you want to build the excitement for the future of the NHL, you know, TSN, I've said this, since they've lost the NHL rights outside of the regional rights for Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal, and Winnipeg, they kind of ignore Western Canada and the three teams that exist out here, but that's fine by me. I prefer Sportsnet over TSN anyways. TSN's dropped the ball since they lost those rights to the NHL to broadcast them nationally. They, they pick up the NLL game of the week. Well, you've got at least three Canadian franchises in the NLL and you only show a game a week and it's not always a Canadian team. Drop the ball there. CHL, dropping the ball there. You got five TSN channels and they they show the same show on all five of them most of the time. And you don't pick up the AHL, which you could probably get a huge market on with six teams across the country. You could show almost every game every team at least once or twice a week i think that tsn has an opportunity i don't know what the problem is and i think this is a shame that canadian fans who now have these teams can't watch their future come up and vote to play i think there needs something needs to change i'd like to see it 
um, get picked up by someone. It probably won't be Sportsnet because they got the NHL and that's their bread and butter. But I think there needs to be a little more exposure on that. So, I mean, DSN, are you kidding me? Get on this. Let's let's see some AHL action on television. It, it's so bad. I didn't even know and still don't know how to get an AHL game. I didn't know that there was a streaming service that I'd have to get to do it. That's not good enough. The fact that I don't know that I'm an avid hockey fan. I follow, you know, the Calgary Flames. I know very well how good the Calgary Wranglers were this year. You know, out, but outside of their Twitter feed, there's just no coverage of the AHL uh, anywhere. That's not good enough because, and I don't know if the NHL plays into the AHL package and how that all works and the TV deals. I'm, I'm not going to pretend to even remotely know how it all you know, correlates, but however it's correlating, it's not working because I cannot watch an American Hockey League game. I have a team in the city that I live in and I can't watch it on TV. That's, that's crazy, crazy to me that it's not somehow on local Canadian, not even Canadian, just local television in North America. Like the fact that there's not a, uh, a channel because I went search and trust me when I saw it was going to be the Wranglers and the Abbotsford Canucks I was like oh that's going to be a doozy of a series because those two teams hate each other like they had a huge rivalry this year in the regular season and like that was a doozy series I didn't get to see any of it all I saw was Twitter highlights and, and that's just disappointing and, and you kind of brought up the point of some other leagues the National Lacrosse League doesn't have the exposure in Canada that it should. Again, there's a team in the city I live in, and I, I, I think there was two games on TV this year that they were involved in. Like, it's it amazes me there there isn't a kind of like a, a NHL hockey deal where one of the major networks in Canada picks up all the games for one of the teams because I can guarantee people would watch it. I can guarantee it. I. I guess it goes to show a little bit it's, you know, National Hockey League in Canada or bust and Major League Baseball because there's no problem getting a Toronto Blue Jays game on your TV in Canada. But it's kind of NHL and Major League Baseball or bust and some NBA like the Toronto Raptors. You get most of the games on TV in Canada and you yeah, get TSN's got get, a lot of them. Yeah, you get quite a few of, you know, the the Lakers, the Warriors, the the big name teams as well. So it's not bad, but the fact some of the other professional leagues don't aren't on TV is disappointing. And the American Hockey League is professional hockey. The National Lacrosse League is professional lacrosse. Like this, there should be no issues finding this. Like it's 2023 for Christ's sakes. How do we not have this on our TV airwaves every game? So I'm I'm on the AHL website right now. It's AHL TV. And they even like you look at the streaming services before we go here. Like you've got Netflix, you've got Amazon Prime, you've got Disney, you've got Paramount, you've got, you know, Sportsnet now to get the NHL if you live out of market. And, and, and it all adds up. They're not cheap, right? Apple TV you is now has a deal with the MLS to, to broadcast every game. Well, you need to have the Apple TV Plus. I, think, I don't know if that's a also a separate subscription within there. I have I didn't tried it. I might see what it's all about because I ha- I do pay for the Apple TV because it's five bucks a month, and you can package it with your Apple Music and everything else that goes in there to make it a better deal. 
Apple TV is actually quite reasonable, but they also have the what is it the Friday night uh, baseball game. You know, like why doesn't Apple jump on the AHL and you could bring in an entire hockey crowd to Apple TV because people I think would pay five bucks a month to get the AHL and more than I'm looking at it right now. I'm on the AHL.com and or sorry AHLTV.com. The playoff all access is 30 us dollars a single day is 899 us for a single day right now if i go sign up now and check it out to see uh, does he really make me go all the way through huh all right well forget that i don't know what a whole um ahl season costs and but it's ridiculous like you're getting nickel and dimed on all these streaming services, plus your regular cable package. And it, it, it's insane. Like it's got to stop somewhere. Um, I'm just trying to find it. But 104, I think is uh, 105 US dollars for the season to get the AHL. That's too much. It's, it's too much to say, hey, Here's another hundred and five dollars, right? Plus, as you're Canadian, you're converting it, so it's like five hundred. Yeah, hundred and fifty. It ain't. It's not cheap, right? And I think it's a. I don't want to point too many fingers at the AHL because they got to do what they got to do because they may not have a plethora of people coming out. I mean, hell, the NLL used to broadcast their games on YouTube. Was it? great was it easy to find not always but it was something it was accessible um but i think maybe the ahl needs to do something to make it a little more affordable so that more people will get into it and if they can prove to these networks hey this is the interest we have here then maybe one of these networks will pick it up and put the games on television regionally whatever and and make it work so i just think it's something needs to get done to fix that yeah, totally, totally agree. Because again, I, I I want to watch it, but I don't, you know, I, I don't want to pay to watch it. Like I'm already yeah. paying for a cable package way too much. I just don't, I don't want to have to pay another subscription for it. But I, I, well, that's it. it. I got to pay for Sportsnet now. now. Yeah. yeah, I pay for a Sportsnet now, which is not all that cheap either, right? I keep it throughout the the non, you know, the off season and things like that as well for other reasons, but. It's still one of those things that you're just you're getting nickel and dime to be a sports fan, it, and it sucks. Well, you can't afford to go to games because <laughs> no, that's you, out you of the can't. Question. Yeah, not unless you uh, win tickets or you know beat up a scalper inside. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna move on from the American Hockey League. Go Wranglers! They they look good. They could definitely get to the Calder Cup. Um, I'm gonna go to. Baseball, Ken, for my first. Are you kidding me? And I'm going to go to one division, and that's the AL East. Holy smokes! This this division is we you know we alluded to this in our preview show that we thought this was going to be the best division in in baseball. What well, is? Are you kidding me? Every team is above 500 right now. The Blue Jays, our Toronto Blue Jays, are currently sitting in fourth place, six games above 500. Playing close to you know hundred win, 
season baseball and they're in four. This is incredible. Like Tampa Bay, who I don't, one of us, I can't remember. I think it was you predicted them you. to be nowhere near the play. Oh, okay. You. Predicted them to be outside of the playoff picture this year. Well, that's not happening. You know, after going what felt like 25 and one to start the season they've leveled off and they're currently only 20 games above 500 played yeah, 800 ball the baltimore the baltimore orioles who i insist i still don't know if they could keep going with that starting pitching they're playing 667 ball the red Sox have all of a sudden won eight games in a row including four over our toronto blue jays and now they're seven games above 500 the the yankees Bring it up the rear in the AL East. Two games, yay! Yeah. Two games above five hundred, but you know they're dealing with a plethora of injuries. Like this, 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 this division is stupid. That's all I can say. I'm glad there's a little bit more of a balanced schedule this year, so the Toronto Blue Jays don't have to play all four of these teams nearly as often. But I don't know if that's going to matter, Ken. For the yeah. third year in a row, the the Toronto Blue Jays might play 600 ball and squeak into the playoffs. This is nuts. It's exciting. It's fun, but it's also it's also crazy. Like 588 Jays are fourth place. They'd be pretty much in first place in every other division in the American League. They'd be one game back of my Texas Rangers, who I predicted to make the playoffs, currently in first place in the AL West. They'd be right behind them. They'd be tied for first in the NL Central. They'd be tied for first in the NL West. They'd be in first in the AL Like, in the AL Central. This is crazy. It's crazy. They're fourth in the AL East, and they'd be leading four other divisions. Yeah, only the NL East, they would not be first. Right, like the the Braves are twenty three and eleven, um, but even the NL West, like you, like the Dodgers are twenty and fourteen. They got the same record. It's it's crazy, and you, like you look at um, even like Texas is six games above at nineteen thirteen, but the the a- Angels surprisingly are four games over five hundred. Houston is only one game over. Uh, Seattle's one game under, and then you got the Oakland A's that just. Shut the team down, move them to Vegas, and get it over with. Like, just this team is a joke. Um, I mean, that could have been a well, maybe we'll talk about that next. I just that reminded me the AL East is just a juggernaut. And it, the, what bugged me the other day is when the Boston Toronto series was going on, every other AL East team outside of Toronto won the game. That they were playing because they weren't playing another AL East opponent. The Jays lost essentially ground on four teams with one loss. Absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. And uh, the rest of the divisions, the AL Central is just the, the the Twins are four games over 500, three games above up on Detroit. The rest of the division is all subpar, sub 500 teams. I don't know. I know they're not going to. It, it's talking about realignment for the sake of our our franchise, but yeah, I'm all in so, on that. But <laughs> there's teams that are going to make the playoffs that don't necessarily. Do the Twins really deserve to make the playoffs when they are would be 
fifth in the AL East, right? The the Texas Rangers, your Texas Rangers would still be fifth in the AL East, right? Like, does something need to change with the alignment of how they do this? Because there's no, it's literally just, it just there just happens to be five really good teams in the AL East, and give yeah. credit to the the management groups in those divisions. You know, Baltimore was shitty for a long time, and now they're really good. You yeah. know. Tampa Bay, I still have no idea how they do it, but they remain relevant now for what, what seven, eight years? 15. Boston, it's, it's been yeah. forever. Boston had a tough, you know, had a tough couple of years, but they appear to be back. They'll get it. I don't know that their starting pitching is going to hold up, but man, they can yeah. mash the ball. And New York, once they get healthy, I still think is is the best team in this division, but they're not healthy. Yeah. Credit words to every one of these teams has done a great job of building a team and it's just not happening in all the other divisions. You know, I wish we had a Kansas city Royals in our division. That was eight and 26. Like, yeah, them in the A's. Well, here's the thing right now is every, I mean, Baltimore is there, New York, not as much success at home, but every AL East team mm-hmm. is, I mean, Tampa's 18 at three at home, Baltimore nine and four, Boston 13 and 7. The Jays are 9 and 3. The the Yankees are 11 and 8. The Jays have played the fewest home games out of that division. Baltimore's only played one more. Um but Baltimore's 13 and 7 on the road. Where um Boston is 8 and 7. Tampa 9 and 4 and the the Yankees are 7 and 8, but the Jays aren't doing themselves any favor. They've played 22 road games. They're going to play their 23rd today in Pittsburgh and they're 11 and 11. If but you know what? Could... To me, 500 ball on the road is kind of what you want. You yeah. want to be hovering around that 500 and then play, you know, over 500 at home. And that's the recipe to make the playoffs in this division. It may not be because you've yeah. got Baltimore is six games over 500 on the road. Tampa's five games over 500 on the road. This is crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah. I, I had to talk about this. We're not going to do a Jays in flight segment but this kind of was you know i brought this up to be our jays and flight segment because it's it's kind of frustrating to be completely honest like yeah it is the jays had a one bad week and all of a sudden they went from second to fourth and in the division and but they're not out of ludicrous. it that's the big thing they're, yeah, they're, not, they're not, not out of it thank god but they're seven games back but really they're they're what two and a half back of baltimore in second right like they're they're they Baltimore's 22 and 11. The Jays are 20 and 14. They're right there. Uh, I mean, like, obviously, yeah, we said, I've had a busy month. So I haven't really been watching a lot of the games. I've been trying to catch what I can or a Jays in 30, you know, checking on the scores as they play. But I kind of went, holy shit, how are they in fourth place? Then you look at the records and it's like, well, they're not having a bad season, right? Like, they're not fourth because they suck. Um, It's just, it's, it's kind of insane. And, um, yeah, I don't know if you got anything on this. I got. I'm going to add a. Are you kidding me? And while we're here, because it just kind of reminded me. Um, well, I'll pivot to my other one when we talk about the Flames. Then. Yeah. Well, I just this is the quick one. Like the whole Azor deal of what they've done in in trying to just uproot the team to Vegas. Like, are you kidding me? This is, you know, it's been an ongoing battle to get that team a new stadium in Oakland. The thing floods with sewage every time it rains. And 
The team has You've got this, animals living in the walls at the broadcast booths. So. Yeah. Well, was it a possum? <laughs> Right, yeah, like, I think it's a possum it, or something like that. Yeah, like the the a road team can't broadcast from there because you know possums are not necessarily friendly animals. Um, but it, it's insane. I don't know who really. I think ownership takes a big blame for this. I think I, they have to. Well, I also got to think like because this isn't just a fresh thing. This has been going on for what a decade of trying to get a new arena built. So something with the city has to be there like some blame has to go there too i'm not going to pretend to be an oakland days um you know stadium development expert but i think there's mud in the water on both sides i just think the oakland days side is a lot muddier due to the fact that they've had great players they had josh donaldson traded him to the jays right they had matt chapman traded him to the jays how many top players have the a's developed and just jettisoned out of town to continue to suck to try and push this deal to happen with they get to move. Maybe they got tired of the, the BS with the city and this is their way of doing it, but it definitely stinks. The the fans, you can't blame them for not showing up because and it's boiling well, over with the fans too. Yeah, but why would you show up when your team is just getting, well, this player's really great. He's going to get traded in six months. And then you're, you're left with who the hell is on the roster today? Um, the team's the team's bad by design, and that's fully on ownership, I believe. Yeah, this is unfortunately going to end with them moving to Las Vegas, and maybe once it gets there, I guess it, can it settle itself out? I hope so. You know, the Oakland Athletics. I remember back in the early nineties when you had the Bash Brothers. You know, and, the, and uh, you know, those when our Toronto Blue Jays were World Series champions, it was always, you know, the Blue Jays, the Athletics were two of the best teams. The Minnesota Twins were some of the best teams yeah. back then. It's like the reason I kind of want to bring this up is it was small, what was deemed small market teams, you know, 20 years ago. We're running 30 years ago. We're running the American League, you know, Oakland, Minnesota, Toronto. It was craziness. And now it's like they're just the most part in irrelevancy minnesota you know sort of the division they play in it you know it, it helps them out a lot but it you can have success in those markets and it's just completely gone off the rails for the oakland athletics and it is going to end with them in las vegas and i think ownership wants that to happen knows it's going to happen it's going to happen because that it's going to be their meal ticket to making money again like so far every professional franchise that has ended up in Las Vegas, you know, starting with the Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL have been successful. Uh, you know, the, the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, beautiful facility, you know, that's successful. I'm actually surprised it took this long to get teams into Las Vegas because it's clearly, clearly should have happened a long time ago, but I had to get around you know, the it's, it's, Yeah. It's coming at the expense of, Teams like the Oakland Athletics, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, it's that's a storied franchise. Like you think of it, Dennis Seckersley, Dave oh, Stewart, Eckersley. Like the the you know Ricky Henderson, the, the the list of players that you look at that franchise has had. You know, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, take them for what you want with the steroids, but um, Dave Stewart. Yeah, it, it's a franchise that has had a lot of success, and it's kind of sad to see how it's all going down. So um, it's just one of those things. It's, it's tough. 
Well, we'd like to hear from you guys. Reach out to us on Twitter. What are your thoughts on the Oakland Athletics or the Las Vegas Athletics or what are we going to call them? Who knows? Reach out on Twitter. I'm at the, the BleacherCon1. Ken is at the BleacherCon2. Yeah, now it's, uh, I don't know if it's our favorite time this year, because as we alluded to, our teams both kind of sucked the big one this year. But we're going to do a Canucks Flames recap. Uh, Trevor, where do you want to start this off? Do you want to talk to Canucks and then get into the Flames? Because there's been a lot going on with your team in the last Yeah, well, why don't we here. start with, let's start with the Canucks. And I think there's, uh, there's just more talking points, I think, right now, because a lot has happened in Flames land. So, yeah that to talk about so let's 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 get the ugliness that is the vancouver canucks out of the way here and then we'll talk about the fun times of <laughs> the calgary flames <laughs> yeah i'm not not sure we're looking at it the same way but uh oh yeah, okay but at least on the flame side the, the canucks yes was ugly um this this season was just an absolute tire fire for for the lack of a better term right from the start this off season for the canucks was a very and we've discussed this the whole Jim Rutherford, Bruce Boudreaux situation was not uh, not good from the beginning. And it um, boiled over. Bruce Boudreaux had that team playing to a well over 100-point pace over, you know, what would have been 82 games. But it just, he was, I believe, an ownership hire that Jim Rutherford wasn't necessarily happy about keeping on for another year. And he made it very difficult for him, called him out publicly. Um, and whether he meant it or not, uh, Rutherford apologized for how, how it went and decided that he needed to kind of step back and shut up a little bit when it came to speaking in the media. And once that kind of happened, of course, all the changes that already made talk, it was in Gonchar foot, the, the, you know, the kind of some of the drama went away. Um, you had the Bo Horvat situation all all season long until he finally got traded and signed to a contract that I, as a Canucks fan, would not have been comfortable with. Um, rightfully so, based on his you know short tenure so far on the island. I, I yeah, I, I agree, but also look at the fact that two different teams, two different styles. Yep. And, you know, as far as, as how the Canucks went this season, you know, this was a team that was bad. They still scored 276 goals, and yeah, they gave up 298. But they they lost the games even when they were high scoring. They they were able to score. And Bo Horvat scored a lot of his points on the power play being set up by a guy who a lot of Canucks fans were trying to jettison out of town and, and JT Miller. And I and yes, he was going to play with Matt Barzell, who's probably a more offensive player than JT Miller. Maybe, maybe it's a bit of a wash there. But I'm not going to jump on Horvat's tenure with the Islanders so far, like some other Canucks Nation has. But I will say he disappeared in the playoffs. You, the Islanders did pick him up to be a a big time player, and I will say that Bo Horvat made his comments that. UBS Reno was much better than Vancouver, and he'd tell you that for free. He took a shot at Vancouver, and I didn't like that because if you want to take a shot at management, fair enough. You want to take a shot at ownership, fair enough. But the fans, I can't speak to the teammates, but I'm pretty sure, you know, the fans 
95 to 98 percent of the fans were 100 percent behind Bo Horvat and supported him, wanted him to be there. Maybe you know, depending on the price, but that was an unnecessary shot, and I didn't like that. And he walked it back, which I also thought was a little bit of a coward's move. You you said it; it was on your mind. It was sitting there in the back, back of your mind, and you, you're like, "Oh, the heat of the moment." Nah, you meant it. Say it, own it, and move on. But uh, a lot went into that. There were so many distractions with this Canucks team. I will say there wasn't the big coaches bump when Tockett, Foot, and Gonchar took over. See, I uh, disagree. I felt like there was. I felt like well, the Canucks not started like, to play better. Yeah, I, what I meant, in not like when Bruce Boudreaux came in and with the wins. There wasn't like, Boudreaux came in after game 28 last year and the Canucks, you know, damn near ran the table to almost get in the playoffs. What Tockett and those guys brought, which we'll, we can call the, the coaches bump, the new coach bump was seemingly structure and a way to play. Like talk it flat out said it wasn't necessarily about the wins and losses. It was about how they played. And you could see it. Andre Kuzmenko. I, I don't know if I can't remember if he hit 40 or Texas had 39 or 38 goals. Andre Kuzmenko sat on the bench for a few three third periods because he wasn't playing as talk would say the right way. I liked that in seeing that he was holding players accountable regardless of the point production that they were putting up. If they made a bad play, if they weren't playing smart, he held them accountable. And I think that to me was a good sign. And yeah, we call it a good coach's bump. They played better. And you look at the injuries that they had on the back end and the number of AHL defensemen they had playing at the end of the season. And the Canucks were actually playing closer, tighter games. Uh, they they lost the game to Boston. To Boston, I think by one goal, and I thought they were going to get blown out eight nothing, but that was they were playing a better defensive structure. They were they had guys buying in. They were doing everything. I don't want to say the right way, but a lot better than they were in the first half of the season. Uh, I am interested and very intrigued to see how Pocket is going to get these guys going with um, an off season, with a training camp, and a, and a full fresh start now that the season is over um, because I think, you know, and it, I like Bruce Woodrow. I did. I didn't necessarily want to see him go either. I think he kind of got a raw deal from, from management. I will hundred percent say that I will, I will say my Canucks gave him a raw deal. I don't think he deserved how that went down. And uh, that's a man who's very passionate about the sport of hockey, very smart. And, you know, the players, the players loved him. I think he definitely had earned the players' respect, and he he honestly deserved it. One of the other things I say, some of the moves that the Canucks made and signing some of the the NCAA free agents were interesting moves. They seemed to get. I don't, I'm not going to claim to know a lot about the NCAA prospects and how highly touted they are, but they seemed to get a few guys that other teams were definitely interested in. The Canucks grabbed them. You know, they they signed Aiden McDonough, who's their own. Uh, draft pick they got Akita Hirose uh, Cole McWard and I think there was another another one I can't remember those were good signings for prospects that they were filling the prospect pool with that I know they shut him down early like after a couple of games once he was healthy or whatever but Philip Ronick I still like that trade I would do that trade again uh, in a heartbeat I think some of the moves and some of the guys from the AHL that came up and proved that they could play and play in 
everyday kind of roles like Christian Roland and uh, Juleson, uh, the uh, Breezeball, those guys got deals. And their two-year deals, a couple of them got a two-way deal in year one and a one-way deal in year two. Those guys showed that um, they can play and they can be guys that the team can rely on. Um, Ryan Johnson, GM of Abbotsford, and I've just lost it. He was the coach of the Blackhawks not too long ago. Um, he's now Abbotsford's head coach, but it, they've done a good job in developing that team. And I, you can see it because Abbotsford is, is successful and they're winning. That provides some uh, positivity for the future. Then they're not going to step in and be top six players like you know some fan bases think that all AHL players will be, but um, there's some positivity there. The big thing is right now is the off season. They got to get PD signed up to a new deal. He's got uh, one more year left on his, on his deal. He'll still be an RFA. I think their big thing is getting him signed this off season ahead of that, get it out of the way, but they got to clear up some space. Um, Brock Besser has said he does. He is not, he does not want to get traded. He made that very clear in his end of season presser. He said it to management. He doesn't, he wants to stay. I think he wants to prove that, you know, he's the player people think he is, but they got to move some money. So is that a Connor Garland? Um, I don't think it's an Anthony Bavillier because he's still only 4.15 and he played well with Petey. Petey and Kuzmenko uh, and Bavillier was a good line together. And that's what you need for stability with Pedersen is to have two guys that he can play with. And they were all very successful. Again, Hart, I don't want to compare apples to oranges, but Beauvillier was continued to score at the pace Horvat was scoring at with the Canucks. He actually outscored Horvat in the same amount of games in the regular season after the trade. Um, it's moving money, though. So you do you eat? Do you wait till you pay the five million signing bonus to Tyler Myers? and then trade him to a team who's only got to pay him a million bucks. Um, what do you do with Oliver Ekman Larson? That's a, that's a big one because you don't make that trade in the first place. Well, <laughs> that's what you do with OEL. Yeah. The one thing I, I'll give him some credit in that he went to the worlds last year and broke his foot and then came into camp. So how much of that affected his season because prior to that, the season before, he didn't suck as bad as he did. Like he didn't. He was a, a good player the season before. Last year, you know, in the like World Championships, he breaks his ankle, foot, whatever, comes in and just has a horrible season from the get go. How much of that was a factor? I don't know. I I would like to think that Oliver Ekman Larson is the type of player who can turn it around, but you don't buy him out because it, it is not worth the buyout. You don't buy out Tyler Myers because it's not worth the buyout. You got like the the one thing the Canucks have said is that they're very confident that they can make the moves to clear cap space. Now, if they get the 11th pick in the draft, do they trade that and a Myers or an OEL to someone who with the cap space to give them a bump up in the in position in the draft? Maybe, right? Who knows? Um, but the Canucks have guys like Ely Mikheyev is going to be coming back. The one thing I'd like to see from the Canucks is Colin Delia. He's a UFA. He did a lot better in the back half of the season, obviously taking over for Spencer Martin, who just kind of 
signed that two-year deal and fell right off, but continued to play well in, in Abbotsford after that. Archer Seelofs came up and played a couple of games. He looked good in those games. He's still young. He's still developing. That's a lot to ask to be for him to be the number two guy. I'd like to see the Canucks, and I don't know who this is right now. It's uh, it's not a great um, free agent class this year, but can the Canucks find a solid, reliable backup for Demko uh, this offseason to maybe take a little bit of pressure off? I'm not going to be fooled by the Vancouver Canucks. I've been fooled the last couple of seasons by the Vancouver Canucks. They seem to be able to play good hockey when it does not matter, when they are eliminated, when they're done. I'm not getting fooled by this team again. They're a bad team, and you said it. They're a bad team. They are in cap hell, and they're going to be in cap hell for next season as well. The 2022 Vancouver Canucks are going to be the 2023 Vancouver Canucks. They have no cap space. They don't necessarily have a ton of desirable players with, you know, Tyler Myers. No one wants a $6 million cap hit for that defenseman. You know, Connor Garland, maybe, but again, that's five million bucks. He's like, he's a decent player. I, You might be able to move that one. Uh, Petey, yeah, he's very yeah, desirable. No, no. I'll take I'll take that RFA contract any day. The Vancouver Canucks are what they are. The Vancouver Canucks are only going to go as far next year because it is going to be the same team as Thatcher Demko is going to take them. And I think that was a big X factor this year. Thatcher Demko was hurt for a lot of the season. Yeah. You know, if he's in the lineup, are they a playoff team? Probably not, but they're at least closer. I'm not going to be fooled by the Canucks. They've been bad for a while. They've done, they've shuffled, they've done very much what the Flames have done. They've shuffled the deck chairs, but they haven't really done much else. They're, again, next year going to be the same. And I don't foresee this massive offseason of change because I just, I don't know how they're going to do it. The, the guys that, you, you know, you want to get rid of money, Brock Besser, well, he had 17 goals last year. Like, people aren't going to pay $6.6 $6 million for 17 goals. The Flames already have one of those in Mangiapane. Like, how, are you, how do you expect to move that kind of money? Like, you know, JT Miller is now signed long-term. Maybe there could be some interest in him because he is a good offensive player, but he's now signed long-term. So I don't see you genesising that out of town. You know, do you maybe try to cash in on Kuzmenko? The fact that he scored 39 goals this year. Is he a 40 goal NHLer? I don't know if he is or not. Like, do you maybe try to cash him in, sell high? Outside of that, I just, this is going to be the same team in 2023, 2024. And history, recent history says for the last kind of, you know, three, four seasons, this isn't a playoff team. And I don't, you know, the coaching bump or whatever. Did they play better under Rick Tockett? Sure. I got fooled last year after they played really good for 55 games under uh, Bruce Boudreaux, and then they turned into a tire fire. It, I'm not buying what the Canucks are, are selling right now. I am not going to get fooled. They will not be a playoff team again next year. But then I think after that, it could, because they do have – you know, Bovillia's 4.1 is coming off the cap. But are you going to resign him? Maybe. You got Tyler Myers, is 6 million coming off the cap. Um, a year after that, you've got Brock Bester coming off the cap and his 6.6. So there is potentially some salary cap relief coming from this team. I don't see it happening this offseason. I just don't think you can, you know, unless you're trading your number 11 pick 
to get rid of six million dollars of one more year of Tyler Myers. I just to me that doesn't make sense. Like this is a very deep draft. Take your potential number eleven overall pick and just draft a good player. Like I, I really think this is a a year for the Canucks that it's going to be another you know scratch and claw to be where the Calgary Flames are to finish between seventh and tenth. I just don't see much happening this offseason and much changing for next year. They're welcome to prove me wrong, but your recent history says they are what they are. And it's the same group of players essentially that's been there for the last four years and haven't got it done. So I, I'm that that might have sounded harsh, but I just don't see a, a way that the Canucks are going to be any different next year. I think the, the top well I mean you had a pretty significant move in Bull Horvat leaving. That was yep. a big piece of the core going out. I think you're seeing a bit of a different core, different leadership group stepping up. The one piece that maybe, because we did see better better play from the Canucks, their penalty kill was better at the end of the season. Still was worse than Lee because of what had happened in the beginning. But I'm interested to see, and this is why I said, the way Talkit, the system that he's trying to implement and what he's trying to bring in, if that's enough to get uh, the, the Canucks winning some more games. Like the Canucks and Flames and both ended with 38 uh, wins on the season. The reason you guys finished 10 points ahead of us, you had 17 overtime losses to our seven, right? Like that was the big difference between our two teams is you lost more in overtime than you won. And yeah, I'm not thinking that there's going to be a huge player turnover, but I think you could see some guys moved out and guys, um, you know, Niels Hoaglander had a, a very good season down in Abbotsford. Was that what he needed to get the confidence to come up and be a everyday player in the NHL again? Because he's a good player. He's, he's a good offensive player. But again, he was put into a situation, almost Edmonton Oilers-esque, where, okay, you're, you're a rookie. You're going in. It's your first experience in the NHL. Had a little bit of success. And when everyone like, okay, let's ride this ride this going forward. And it, it fizzled out. It wasn't what it was so i'm not saying that they're going to be a playoff team or a team that's going to win it all they might be i think if they can play the right way and you're right a lot of their wins did come in meaningless games but they were playing some good playoff teams in that run and they didn't look like a echl team versus the bostons like they did earlier in the season they like it wasn't even it wasn't even close in the level of competition they were just that bad but I think uh, I'm not going to completely write them off to be minus 22 and a 38 and 37 team and seven with the OT losses. It's going to be a tough sled because you look at it. The the top four teams in the Pacific were all 100-point teams. There was 11 points, that the difference between Vegas in first and Seattle in fourth. 11 points. That's not, that, that's not a lot. But that's four teams that had over 100 points. So the division, maybe it's still weak. You know, when you look at the I don't know three, that it is anymore, Ken. Uh, it People used to are be. talking about they, they they're talking about how weak the Pacific Division is, and then all of a sudden you have four teams that had 100 points in that division. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, that isn't a weak division. No, like Winnipeg got into the playoffs only two points ahead of you guys, right? Like they had 95, um, 103, 108, 109. Again, like. Edmonton had 109 in second. LA had 104 in third. And Seattle was an even even 100. 
The Pacific has went from a weak division. Like the San Jose and Anaheim are still going to be your weak teams. I don't necessarily classify the Canucks as that weak, but it's they're back to being a two weak team division, maybe. And it is going to be tougher going forward because all these teams are putting it together again. And that, I just, that's I think, one of the reasons I think it's going to be tough for uh, both the Flames and the Oilers to be playoff teams. Is Canucks. honestly who who are you, or sorry, yes, Canucks, not Oilers. Yeah, who are you taking out of there? You know, Seattle looks legit. L.A. looks legit. Yeah. Edmonton's legit. Vegas is legit. Like, who are you transplanting? Yeah, the, you're, you're going to have to make it a two wild card team from the Pacific. What I will give the Canucks is they have superstars at at three key positions they have a superstar forward in elias Patterson. they have a superstar defenseman in quinn hughes and they should have a superstar goaltender in that Demko. if if those three next year play like superstars and are in the lineup healthy all the time i will give the canucks the credit that they could get there because they do have three superstar players, the surrounding cast around those three superstar players is not good. That's, you know, JT Miller's good. I, like, I'm not saying he's not a good player, but like Elias Pedersen is not Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. Get your team to 108 points by yourselves with a decent, with an okay surrounding cast. Elias Pedersen needs help in his supporting cast more than other teams, but that being said, the Canucks do have those three guys that are very, very good players. They're better than probably any player on my team in the Calgary Flames. But outside of that, they just don't have the depth there. And it gets, yeah. to me, especially come to third and fourth lines in Vancouver, that's where the trouble starts. And the bottom pairing defenseman is just not good enough. And maybe they could do something about it. I just... They don't yeah. have cap space. It's going to be the same team. Well, and the, and the thing too is like Quinn Hughes was plus fifteen on a bad team. That's impressive. He was all he was seventy six points in seventy eight games, and like seventy four of them or seventy two of them were assists, and he was still a plus fifteen, right? Like, and you talk about the core. Like, you look at it. I would conclude Kuzmenko in that core. Um, obviously, Miller, Patterson, Hughes, uh, obviously Demko. It's looking a lot. It is different than it has looked in the past. Um, I don't know how many times you can say is Brock Besser going to have a, a bounce back season, right? Like, again, I, I give so. It, I still give some leeway to this season in the fact that he was coming off the death of his father, mm-hmm. and how much of that played a factor into it. But this is probably his last chance, and if it's not going by, you know mid-season at the latest he probably will get traded how that happens i don't know because his cap hit is pretty as you say 6.65 i'm not going to claim doom and gloom again for the canucks i think we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens uh because i know they played pretty i like bruce boudreau but it was a little loose under him with how they played Uh, now that things are settled and there should be less drama around trying to get someone signed or who's going to get traded. Maybe it clears the air and gets some of the the mud out of the water and makes it a little, little clearer for the Canucks in their direction going forward. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to be doom and gloom for the Canucks. I just, uh, 
I have a hard time seeing them transplanting one of those other teams to become a playoff team. Yeah. They're they should be more competitive. It's just can they can they put forward that effort when it matters? Because three seasons in a row, they haven't been able to, yet they've had decent back halves of the season. Well, it's easy to play good hockey when you're out of it. Yeah. So prove to me that you can play good hockey when you're in it. And you're not, we're not having this conversation about the Canucks. They just have not been able to do that the last few years. And prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. You can play good hockey when it matters. Here's the thing I'll say about this season. There isn't any coaching questions around it. No, because no I don't think so. Last season, it was the Benning Green question. Even the season before that, Green was on the hot seat. And then last season, he and Benning got let go. Then Boudreaux came in. Then Boudreaux's on the hot Like They're going in with a settled management group and a settled coaching group. Yeah, hopefully you don't have that black cloud hanging over your team and you get a bit of a, a positive results from that, but... Yeah, because that's been something that's been hanging over them for for those three seasons. It's always been that question is, is this coach going to last? Yeah, that's a distraction, right? But let's uh, let's talk some flames now, because talking about management and coaching, it's going to look different. Okay, the Calgary Flames, they were almost a mirror image of the Vancouver Canucks in the last season, severely underperformed. Uh, Had the coach, there's. major problems around the head coach i'll get to that here shortly they underachieved they underwhelmed you know they they were technically i think what 10 games above 500 but not really because they they had 17 loser points so you know games that they lost in regulation or over or an overtime or a shootout 17 times this year they lost a game that went past you know regulation time if only It'd have been 14 of those and not 17. They make the playoffs. Like, but they didn't deserve to make the playoffs. There's a lot of, you know, oh, if this had happened, if that had happened, you know, one goal here, one goal there. Sure. I guess, you know, had they not hit the, the goalpost three times in overtime, sure, they they make the playoffs. They weren't going anywhere when they made the playoffs. Like, look what happened to the Winnipeg Jets. Got ousted in five games. Like, this team severely underperformed. And unlike your team, my team's already had consequences for this. GM, Bradch Living, gone. Head coach, Daryl Sutter, surprisingly gone. I did not see this coming. Though, after hearing about the rumors of what was happening, you know, behind closed doors, very unhappy players, very unhappy other coaches, management. We lost Bradshaw Living as a result of Daryl Sutter because he wouldn't sign an extension, even though he was offered one. It's already been a tumultuous offseason in Calgary. We we came off the summer of Bradshaw Living last year where we lost you know, Johnny Goudreau, Matthew Kachak, replaced him with Mackenzie Weger, Jonathan Huberto, Nazem Kadri. You know, it was the summer of Bradtree living. Everybody's like, he did a phenomenal job. And I still think he did actually do a phenomenal job. And I was kind of hoping to have a quiet off season this year. Good luck with that. As as uh, it was a little much of a roller coaster for me and my emotions last year. Yeah, that's not happening. That's not happening. 
The Calgary Flames need a new coach. The Calgary Flames need a new general manager. The Calgary Flames have a ton of core players who are not signed after this next season. The Calgary Flames have a ton of players who regress significantly this in the 2022-2023 season. Nazem Kadri, Jonathan Huberto had an epic regression, having 60 less points from 2021-22 to 22-23. Andrew Bonciapani took significant steps back, having his goal total from the year prior. Michael Backlund was a, a huge standout. He was one of the few guys that actually probably had a better season. Tyler Toffoli had a, a phenomenal season. Elias Lindholm took a step back. Like so many good players on the Calgary Flames took a step back this year. So many good players on the Calgary Flames don't have contracts after this season. I'm fascinated to see how this plays out. You're looking at your whole top line, essentially. Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli are UFAs after this year. What do you do there? Do you try to sign them? Do you try to trade them? Like Tyler Toffoli had a career year. You, you want to talk about being able to move out cap. Maybe you can move him out. I don't know if you want to, but at 4.25, and I think he scored something like 35 goals this year. That's that's a pretty uh, lucrative uh, team that thinks they're on the cost, might be interested. 34 is goals, 39 assists. Yeah, is Flames ownership even going to allow them to do stuff like that? Like, there are so many question marks around this club right now that I don't even, it's not even fun to talk about. These are the key players that could be gone after next season because they're all on expiring contracts. Nikita Zadorov, Chris Tanev, Noah Hannafin, Tyler Toffoli, Elias Lindholm, Michael Backlund. Like that, that is, that six of our top 10 players are expiring contracts after this year. There is so much unknown around the Calgary Flames. It's to be honest, Ken, it's exhausting. I don't even like talking about it because there's so much uncertainty. I, I in a way, you know, I was just kind of harping on the Canucks. I kind of wish I knew all my guys were signed and I didn't have to worry about it. And, you know, is a new coach going to make that much of a difference? I, I sure as the hell hope so. Like you've got some big name players, Huberto, Kadri who clearly had issues with the coach, clearly. Are you guys going to turn it around when they're a new coach? You damn well better because you just got what you asked for. The coach you guys hated so much, and rightfully so. I'm, You know, the guy, Daryl Sutter, has a shelf life. Everybody says it. Seems to be about two to three years. Daryl Sutter's shelf life came. And I'm not one of those fans. I am not pinning this on Daryl Sutter. He played a part in it. He had to go, and I'm shocked he went because there's big money paid to him now to not be the coach. But at the end of the day, it's the on-ice performance of the players that are going to matter. Huberto, Kadri, Mangiapani, Lindholm, you guys better turn it around next year because, you know, that scapegoat's gone. You, you're going to have a coach and most likely a player-friendly coach. Yeah, better, proof better be in the pudding. Because, in my opinion, the Calgary Flames should probably be a playoff team. A lot needs to go right next year for that to happen. And a new coach is step one. But step two is Huberto has to get back to being a point-of-game player. Has to, at minimum. He has to be an 80- to 90-point player. Nazem Kadri can't be a 
liability of turnovers playing, you know, at 70% effort when the, you know, the largest games of the season are on the line. You just can't have that. Like you had coach killing efforts put forward by too many good players on this team this year. Okay. That's gone. You got your coach killed. Now fuck up. Yeah. I said this to you when they brought him back is Daryl Sutter as the game passed him by, I think that's what I said. And no, no, because his tactics are great. You look at the Calgary Flames underlying numbers of the way they play. The game has not passed him by. The what has passed him by is his motivating tactics. Yeah, it, it. I'm on the fence with that because I think it goes hand in hand. You can have great tactics. But if you don't know how to get your players going and you don't know how to communicate with your players, that's a problem. And, you know, we talked about you, you brought up the the summer of Brad last year where Boudreaux was out, Kachuk was out, and you brought in Kadri, Huberdeau, Uyghur, right? Goudreau had 74 points with Columbus, who was just an absolute shitty team. That still puts him first on the flames, one point ahead of Toffoli. Um, if you take Kadri and Huberdeau and combine them, they had two more points than Kachuk. So Kachuk was the player so far that Kachuk was last year on the Flames. Kachuk continued it on. I think Kachuk's better. I think he's better yeah. than he was. On a, on a points, point for point, yeah. if we're going that way. He's the same player that he was last year, right? Goudreau obviously took a huge step back, but he's also on a really crappy team. Now, again, if he was that true superstar, he'd still have 100 points on a really shady team. But the the, the guys that you brought in, just, I mean, Kadri was a minus 19. Huberto was a plus two. Um, you know, if I go down, Uyghur was a plus 15. He had 31 points, but you're not relying on him for point production. You're relying him on being a plus 15 or better and keeping the puck out of the net. Mackenzie um, Uyghur struggled in his first, I guess, about 20 games. His final Fair 60 enough. games, he was lights out. He was very good. New team, new system. Yep. I get the 20-game struggle for Uyghur, right? New defensive structure, new defensive partner. It's not the same. I that, that, that I can get behind. But Blake Coleman at 38, well, you 38 points, you're paying him, what, $5 million? Right? And, and Blake Coleman had a good season. That's yeah. kind of the crazy thing. He's, how many he's probably priced a little high, that's for sure. Yeah. But Dubé and Mangipani, like those guys were flashes in the pan that um, got paid and just stopped producing and stopped working. Um, I'm not going to say this, that about Dubé. Dubé, I think, had showed some signs of progression, but it's not enough. No. Like Dylan Dubé, it, <clears throat> everybody's clamoring for Dylan Dubé to be a top six player. We'll prove you're a top six player. He's He's a middle six player that at best right now. And he played good hockey. Mangiapane, to me, everybody, you know, harped on Huberto for having, you know, a disappointing season. Andrew Mangiapane is number 1B for me on disappointments on the Calgary Flames this year. Like, he, his game regressed significantly. And I want to believe it had something to do with the coach. Obviously, everything in Calgary supposedly revolves around Daryl Sutter and how much the team hated this guy. Hated well, this guy. Exit interviews and the fact that after he got fired, almost every player that put in a trade request rescinded it. Yeah. So 
your team, if he was back, was not going to look the same one way or another. And there's no way, despite Sutter being a high-paid ownership hire, like when Sutter wanted to let, or not Sutter, when Tree Living wanted to let Sutter go and ownership said no, that was the final nail in the coffin for, yeah. for, for Brad. He was done. And one of like, and again, this isn't a, you know, as a Canuck fan jumping on Markstrom, but I mean, it happened with Vladar too. How many times did those guys let in the first shot of the game or Lots. the second shot of the game? That's a, that's a game killer, right? Yeah. And and Marstrom is went from being a Vesna candidate to what the hell is that when you look at him play? Sutter went from coach of the year to fired. Gallant candidate fired. Brunette candidate didn't get fired. Off. Well, I would say he just wasn't offered a contract. He like he didn't because he was the interim head coach in Florida and they moved on. You're 100 percent right. Is this is now on the players to figure it yep. out? But you talked about the Canucks and like how we, you know, the last few years, it's always like, you know, what's wrong with it? What's going on? How long have you and I been talking about what's wrong with the Flames core? Yeah. Because there's always been something there, regardless of the coach, regardless. I mean, Tree Living's been there for a while, but regardless of the coach, regardless of the roster build buildup, you know, you look at Giordano, Kachuk, Goudreau, you have replaced that core. I don't know like how many times big pieces have gone out and new pieces have come in and there's still issues regardless of whether like Sutter wasn't there for all of it. So it kind of goes to the same question. What's going on in Calgary that this is yep. an ongoing discussion around what is wrong with the play? Cause even when they were good last year, there was still those questions coming up, right? Like that. And that's where it's just baffling that this team can have this kind of talent and just find ways to shoot themselves in the foot in a way. And you just put it best. They have loads of talent and they could never put it together. They put it together for the most part in 21-22 when they finished first in the West, but then, you know, they won a playoff round, but then they got smoked by the Oilers in round two. And ever since then, it, it hasn't been the same. And you just mentioned the goaltending. Markstrom and Vladar were horrible this year. Markstrom got you know hung out to dry. Even when Markstrom did play good, the team never scored for him. No. Like they, so there was something missing this whole year with this team. And again, we just talked about it. It damn well better have been the coach because there is no hiding behind if it is something else. If it is something else, we're going to learn next year a lot about the Calgary Flames. Because if it's the same shit show next year that it was this year, and you know that you know, we talked about a black cloud in Vancouver. Well, there was a way blacker cloud in Calgary for the entire season this year. Like we had freaking tornadoes and thunderstorms in Calgary all year. Like you know, the, the Canucks had a mild downpour. <laughs> yeah. It was like you just you could tell the players weren't having fun, the coaches weren't having fun, the GM wasn't having fun. Nobody was having fun. It was tense. It was, you had Daryl Sutter making fun of Jacob Pelche after his first game, which didn't sit well with the players. You had Daryl Sutter making jokes about Jonathan Huberto having to take a shit in the middle of the game and it didn't go over well. Like, there was just this black, like, that tornado over the Calgary Flames this year. And I sure as the hell hope that goes away because I said it to you numerous times this year, even when we were recording, I said, 
I'm tired of the Calgary Flames. I'm tired of talking about it because well, that, it's just it was draining. And you you actually you're a guy that I've never known to not watch a game. You and you weren't watching the games because it was just got to that point. I, I mean, the one thing you will not see back next year is you will not see Trevor Lewis under contract by the Calgary Flames. You will not see... Most likely. Um, you won't see probably, Milan Lucic. No, and you probably won't see Nick Ritchie under contract to the Calgary Flames. Uh, Stone, his tenure as a potential NHLer slash Calgary Flame could be done because the only team that was giving him any work was the Flames on a one-year deal and because he was a Sutter type of guy. Big thing that you guys are going to see next year is an influx in young talent. And if they're not ready, then you're going to struggle. And that's the thing is Don Maloney has already said that, and he's just the interim GM right now, is that you're going to see an influx of these younger players coming into the lineup, whether that's uh, Connor Zeri, um, Pelletier, uh, Walker Dewar, or not like who some of these guys are those are some of the names does matthew right phillips come back and actually you know does he get matthew signed phillips does he get signed and if he gets signed does he actually get a fair shake i don't want to go too far down the matthew phillips train because i don't actually believe that he's all the hype i think he's a an ahl good ahl player but i i think he will struggle yeah. in the nhl but would i like to see him succeed in calgary 100 percent. and if Kevin. he comes back might he be given an opportunity next year yes you know, Kevin Rooney's buried in the minors. That's another Sutter guy, right? The thing that, and I got, I I really, I don't want to see your team succeed more than my team. What I don't want to see is um, Flames Twitter going off again because the expectation of these <laughs> young guys coming into the lineup and you guys struggling because you don't have that. Like, let's be fair. And this isn't, I'd say this of any team. I'd say this of my team. I'd say this of, Edmonton, Toronto, the Rangers, whoever, when you influx your lineup with a bunch of AHL guys who haven't been to the show, you're probably going to struggle regardless of everything else. Huberto, those guys can go back to being a point, point and a half game guys. But if you have struggling AHLers that you're relying on, are you going to be successful? Right? So yeah, how is that going to play into it? Because you, sure, you could bring in like, I don't know, people are saying, oh, well, Jared Glant got fired. Let's bring him in. Why? No, he, just like you. Sutter, has a shelf life. Um, Joel Quinville, why? Right? Like, he's a guy who has a history. Uh, and find a coach that's going to work. You can't – everyone's like, oh, Mitch Love, Mitch Love. Trust me. Let me let me give you a perfect example. Dallas Eakins was the next big head coach because he was great in the AHL. He couldn't get shit done with Edmonton with all the talent, the up-and-coming talent they had, fired. He's in Anaheim with up-and-coming talent, fired, because they sucked just as bad before he got there. Um, Willie Desjardins, up-and-coming coach from the AHL, Canucks hire him. He's gone within a year and a half because he's not. he can't do it. Travis Green, AHL, great coach, can get the players to the NHL but can't develop them further. Like Everyone's clamoring for Mitch Love to come up from the Wranglers to the Flames, I don't know that's what you need. I don't think you need, like, sure, Jay Woodcroft can do that because a a cardboard cutout could stand behind that Euler bench when you got (laughs) McDavid and Dreisaitl putting up 195 points each, right? Bit of an exaggeration, but it really isn't, 
right? Like, you know what I mean? When you got two guys that are putting up 250 points, you better fucking win, right? And you don't need a great coach to do that. And, and so Jay Woodcroft might be an anomaly. I don't think he's a good coach. He has the luxury of Dreisaitl and McDavid on his bench. I think you guys need to get an established NHL coach who can develop young players and get the other guys over the hump. Now, I would hate to see and hear Bruce, there it is, being chanted in the Saddle Dome. But is Bruce Boudreau a guy that the Flames look at? Right? Is, is he a guy that, you know, the players in Vancouver loved him? His last game, the, the players stayed on the ice for him. JT Miller sat on the bench for about 15 seconds with his head hung because he knew that was the last time Bruce was going to be there. The players loved him. Is that the type of coach they need? Right? Who's going to be the GM? Everyone says Craig Conroy. Are you wanting to go with a rookie GM? You know, there's people talking about Stan Bowman. Don't know if that's who you really yeah, want. No, thank you. No, thank but, you. Yeah, I think what the Flames need is somebody to come into those two positions that have structure and know what the hell they're doing at that level, right? Like Mike Greer is in San Jose as a rookie GM. That didn't work out so well. What did he, like, he, you know, he's also pretty handcuffed by some bad contracts, but he moved out a lot of guys and didn't bring anything in that made that team better. A lot of subtraction, not a lot of addition to that club, right? And that's, I think you need to try and find someone who has done it before, at least as an NHL assistant GM. At minimum, that needs to be the the bare basic of what you guys are looking for. Yeah, and I look at this as an opportunity for the Calgary Flames to kind of reset their culture a little bit. And I'm mostly going to pin that on Daryl Sutter because the coach sets a lot of the culture of the team. I think it's a travesty that Brad Tree Living is not the general manager of this team still. I think, you know, Flames fans, and there's a lot of negativity towards Brad on social media. I don't see it. I really don't. And we're going to we're gonna miss him. He's not going to be unemployed long. He is a hardworking, very good GM. I, he I gave do, Sutter the pieces, right? He like, gave Sutter the, the pieces, yeah. I, I do um, believe there's going to be a culture change in Calgary. And that's why I kind of question the same as you is why bring in Conroy and Mitch Love then, like, you got to bring in somebody from the outside to change your culture. You, you quite possibly need to. But at the end of the day, the Calgary Flames 2023-24 success is really going to hinge on two players. Jacob Markstrom and Jonathan Huberto. If both of those guys get back to their or close to their 2021-2022 seasons, well, the Calgary Flames are going to make the playoffs. But if they don't, <laughs> the Calgary Flames are going to miss the playoffs. Like, if Huberto doesn't get back to be an 80, 90-point guy, well, we're not going to score enough. If Markstrom doesn't get back to being a, you know, he doesn't have to have Vezna, you know, candidate quality, you know, stats. He doesn't need to have nine shutouts and a 920 save percentage, but he does need to have, you know, four or five shutouts and 910 to 915 save percentage. If you get that, the Calgary Flames are back in the playoffs. But if you don't, they're not. Yeah. To me, the bigger question is what happens after next year? Or do they start that transition this year? Do you know, do, do, do you do move out Michael Backlund, longtime flame? He's only got one year left. Elias Lindholm, you got to put all your eggs into signing that guy. 
or if he if any indication he's not going to sign, then jettison him out of town now because get a huge return for that guy. Noah Hannafin, same thing. Like Noah Hannafin's a good defenseman. He's a three-four defenseman on good money. He's a UFA. Can you you know if you got an inkling he's not coming back, you better do something because you can't have happen what happened with Goudreau. You can't you know you as much as I don't like as to what happened with Kachuk. At least you turned Kachuk into something because you knew he wasn't coming back. You've got essentially five of those scenarios this offseason with Tanev, Tanev Hannafin, uh, Lindholm, Toffoli, Backlund. Do something with all five of them, whether that's sign them or trade them all. I don't care. You can't have that scenario play out again next year where you're just potentially getting nothing for these guys. I'm worried they're going to walk them all to free agency because they want to take another kick at the can with this team with a new coach. And sure, that's great for next year. You know, as I mentioned before, if Huberto and Markstrom turn it around, the Flames might be contending for first in the division. But then what? Then you're just in, you're, then what? Like, I'm never on team full rebuild or blow it up, but I am on team. Let's not let these guys walk for nothing. <laughs> Or let's make decisions on them now. Yeah, I, it's going to be interesting because you're sitting on Florida's pick as well, first overall pick or first first round pick, right? And it's not going to be a great one, but if you are looking at, you know, Elias Lindholm at four eight five, cap it for next season. I think you got to look at the draft, right? Like if you can't move them, then or sign them. If you know by draft that something's going on, like do you package him and that pick from Florida or even your own yep. and say, hey, this is what we want. And you can bring back some, not a Huber Doe type package, but a package that checks a lot of boxes off. I think you got to do it. I mean, like if you look at the situation with the Canucks and Horvath, I, I like the return the Canucks got in that deal, but they did have to get that late into the process, right? Yeah. The later it went, the looked at the Islanders were the option and that was it. Um, and you don't want to get into that one team bidding war uh, for a player. Cause you, you generally lose those deals, especially, you know, if you know, the guy wants out, you don't want to let him walk. Teams aren't going to be willing to, to give up much. If they know he's looking to walk to free agency and they've, may or may not be able to sign him. So but Backlund's got the modified no trade that makes it, you know, he's got a 10 team that makes it a little bit tougher, but it's uh, do what you got to do with that and you see what happens. There's, it's going to be interesting reasons, with the flames. One of the reasons I bring up Noah Hannafin's name is you've got Oliver Shillington coming back next year. So, which was oddly sharp. announced right, right after right Darryl, after Daryl Sutter. Yeah, I don't. There's supposedly there was no correlation between the two, oh, but no, I, I have to believe there was something. None. Yeah. The only reason I bring up Noah Hannafin is Shillington is a very similar player. You know, a smooth skating, decently offensive player. You know, could you take an expiring Noah Hannafin for after this year's contract? Could you potentially move him? 
to free up some cap space and maybe get something younger on the back end. I don't, maybe just because you have someone waiting in the weeds. I don't even want to say waiting in the weeds. We know what Oliver Shillington is. He played, he played really good, you know, last year. Didn't play at all this year. Chris Tanev is another one. Like that guy's a warrior. I, you know, you're well aware. Chris Tanev, he yeah. can play on my team any day of the year. But you know, he's 33 and only got one year left uh, you can't tell me there aren't stanley cup contenders out there who think they're one top four d-man away who wouldn't give you a pretty penny for chris Tanev. that's an off-season move for me if you're gonna but that's what it. i'm saying is no but i am the moves i'm talking about right now are off-season moves yeah. i'm not talking get into next year at the deadline i'm talking let's make decisions on these guys right now let's yeah, not can, go you into, can move if he's potentially get hurt or going to get hurt. Yeah. Let, let's not go into next season with all these uncertainties. Like we, it, we had it two years ago with Goudreau and Kachuk. It, that lingered over the team for the entire season of what's happening with these two. And you can't have that again. Cause you got five guys. Now, none of them are the quite of the, the quality that could uh, Goudreau and Kachuk are, but still you got five core pieces that the, ex, the contracts are expiring do something about it. And yeah. I'm not saying extend all five, you know, if you can get Chris Tanner for two more years at $3 million per year, hundred percent sign him, but do not sign him for another four by 4.5 deal. Cause that's just going to bite you in the ass. Same with Michael Backlund. If you can get him on, you know, another two, three year deal, at decent money. Sure. Bring him back. If you can't, you might have to move on. Like these guys are getting older. So don't, just don't not have a plan. And that's for so long, it feels like the Calgary Flames have not had a long-term plan. Let's try to get away from that. Let's make some decisions on these guys. And and for the sake of my sanity, let's hope some of my team's good players, Huberto and Markstrom, do rebound, Kadri, so it's not so bloody draining to watch this team next year. Well, Backlund just had a career year, so you think he's going to ask for a, a raise overall? That's not five well, million. But, that, be... but that's what I'm worried about: is he just had a career year? He's got one year left. You can't be going and shelling out six million bucks to Michael Backlund for his age 36, 37 seasons. Like maybe like the Islanders stayed with Horvat. Yeah, like maybe maybe you do need to move on from him. To me. Elias Lindholm is priority number one. You have to get that guy re-signed. Any of the other guys, I'm okay with potentially moving them on. Noah Hannafin, I guess I'd like to see him get signed too, but Elias Lindholm is priority number one. Outside of that, Toffoli, you know, I'm okay if you walk Toffoli to UFA. I'd rather they not. Maybe you do something with him, cash in, he had a career season, but just don't have that uncertainty. Please, please. I'm tired of it. Yeah, your your cap friendly is uh littered not so friendly with UFA. <laughs> now, there's not a lot of RFAs in that group. We got Dylan Dubé, Adam Rosicka, uh Matthew Coronado, obviously, because he's entry level contract. Got a lot of players with the availability to walk coming up very quick in the next year or two here. It, it, the and the shape of this franchise could look very different. And that's another reason why I do think it's important that some of the young guys do play next year. You know, what is Matt, uh, Jacob Pelche? 
what is Matthew Coronado? What is Walker Dewar? Like it is, it is important to me that these guys, you know, as long as they earn it, you know, they have to earn their spot on the ice. As long as these guys earn it, it is important to me to see what they are because after next year, you potentially have a boatload of cap space to spend money on and no top six forwards. <laughs> like it's just insane. So you damn well better find out what these guys are. You know, Connor Zary, you better find out the next couple of years what he is. Yeah. Matthew Phillips, if he's back, you damn well better find out what they are because you might need these guys two years from now when, you know, you've got major core pieces that are going to be out the door. Here's the big thing starting next year for the Flames. Padre Yower was already making seven mil this past season, the season here. He's going to continue to make that for quite some time. Um, You've got Jonathan Huberto getting a massive, almost $5 million raise, 10 and a half, $17.5 million at your forward spend in two players. And then Mackenzie Wieger gets a $3 million raise up to 6.25. Um, Dan Vladar is jumping up to 2.2. The guys are starting to get paid this season coming up. And Vladar is not the starter, but he needs to be better. Mackenzie Wieger needs to progress and keep getting better. I'm not saying he had a you know, bad season or whatever. Huberto, you can't pay him $10.5 million for 56 or whatever, how many points exactly. he had. You can't pay Nazem Kadri for to be 55. Minus 19. Yeah, you can't pay that money for that production. Uh, and the other guys around there, Manjipani needs to step up. Dubé needs to step up, you know. And I know you said he wasn't so much of a, a part of the problem, but those are the guys that have been there long enough. They need to step up. Those are the roles. Blake, he needs to Blake be part Coleman. of the solution. Coleman needs to be part of the solution. Elias Lindholm, Toffoli, those guys all need to continue to step it up. I think it was Tyler Toffoli would have been was your top scorer. And I, what did we talk about like a month and a half, two months ago? He would have been fifth on the Canucks. Yeah. You guys had 10 more points than us, but we outscored you by 17 goals. Yeah, you also let in 40 less goals, but that's a different conversation here. You guys struggled at scoring, and you shouldn't have. And that's like the, the, the Canucks had a problem keeping it out of their net just as much in those high-scoring games. But there's no way that – like to, on that comparing the two teams – I don't think there's any way that Tyler's full year top scorer should be sixth on the or fifth on the Canucks. That's no. what he should be kinda, first on the Flames. No, and that's true. He's not. He's not the number one guy. He's a guy. Huberto and Lindholm should be the number one and number two scorer on the Flames. Yeah, and Nazem Kadri should probably be number three. And then to fully Coleman fill it out at the four or five spot, but or or to fully. Dubé Mangiapani should probably be the next in line. Like Blake Coleman should be a long way down the list. Like he's not a 50 point guy. You're, you're paying him to, you know, you're paying him to be a penalty killer past, you know, score 15, 20 goals. You're not paying him to be a 70 point man, but I do think there's, you do need maybe 45 points out of Blake Coleman. I think you need more than that. Cause I think part of the problem is your guys' bottom six were all Sutter Sutter model hockey players, yep. which is big, tough, slow, and don't do much any of anything else. 
can't win in the NHL. That that's that lack of depth will not win you games. And that's what kept you out of the playoffs. Too many guys like the Trevor Lewis's and Nick Ritchie's and Milan Lucci's of the world, Nikita Zadorov, those type of players, Dennis Gilbert, Michael Stone, um, Kevin Rooney. That's your bottom six. And obviously there's a defenseman in there too, but you know, like that right there, there's no points coming in at that level, at that well, Zdorov had 14 goals this year. It'll be fair, three of them came in the last game, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would kind of take Zdorov out of that mix. But if if Huberto and Kadri and and Lindholm aren't you know 70 to 80 point guys, all three of them, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and hopefully the a new coach coming in will breed like new life into them. If not, oh my God, it's going to be another long season. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it was ugly for us, Trevor. It, it was. I watched all the games despite how there was a huge lack of fun in all of it, but I figured, hell, I'm paying for it. I'm not missing them. So, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, and the nice thing was I got to, to watch a handful of games with, with my son and, you know, so that he can just like the young guns on Flames Twitter can say, I remember the, the, the bad days. Uh, he can say that too in 10, 15 <laughs> years and i remember the tough times you know he no you were four (laughs) no he you were five days old that was all yeah it uh yeah it uh it wasn't fun for us this year trevor it was not fun we can definitely agree on that yeah but uh hopefully times are changing and things will be different next year i'm skeptical they'll be less shitty then hopefully yeah let's just go for that well aim aim for let's just you know less of a tire fire more of a smoking gun than a uh tire fire how about that yeah i'm all on i'm all in on that so <laughs> all right well let us know what you think about the uh canucks and the flame seasons and their off season what do you want to see happening for both teams uh hit trevor up for the flames at the bleacher con one the Canucks, you can let me know at at the BleacherCon two on Twitter. Uh, at least tomorrow we have the uh, the the draft lottery happening to my Canucks three percent chance of getting Connor Bedard in the first overall pick. I think you guys got what a point zero five percent chance of it. Yeah, but I think uh, the highest we could jump is sixth or something like that. So yeah, well let's let's be real. It, it's going to go to the Arizona Coyotes so that they can then try and woo the voters of Tempe to uh, allow that new building. And and if not, the Houston Coyotes can draft Connor Bedard and start afresh. Another conversation for another day. That's our show for this week. Don't forget to check out bellyupsports.com for all the articles that are available on the wide world of sports. Make sure to check out the, the podcasts that are there. There's new ones being added all the time. Check out the shows. Give them some love. Hey, it's been a while. Hopefully it won't be another month, Trevor, before we can uh, do this again. But I, I don't know. Well, we don't do have any more kids. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty much decided. <laughs> but I think I, I don't know if we'll be recording next Sunday as it is Mother's Day. And uh, we, we both uh, will be busy with that, I think. So we will find time to get in here again and discuss some, the world of sports. But that's our show for this week. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone.